Amen. I'm grateful to our Sanctuary Choir and Stephen Ponder for that lovely song, great message for us all this morning as we celebrate and talk about church alive, our church being alive, and that the shepherd will lead us. Amen. Well, good morning again. My name is Cassandra White, and I am the director of worship here at Resurrection, as well as the Gospel Ensemble director. Thank you. <laughs> well, my partner Vicki and I, we revel occasionally in shocking our daughters. Gives us great joy. <laughs> so was the case one day while on our way out of the neighborhood that Vicki decided to inform the girls that I would be preaching on the 8th. What? The tension in the vehicle could now be cut like a cake. I maintained my composer, composure, so did Vicki. I decided not to look in the rearview mirror and just kept driving. So I could feel their bulging eyes. I could feel them glancing back and forth to search each other, to search us, as well as their dropped jawed expressions as they tried to just wait and see, because usually we'd break out in like this great laughter, like, we got you, you know? But that didn't happen. Well, it wasn't long after the announcement was made that the younger of the two spoke up and addressed me directly in an, okay, cut the crap, <laughs> kind of way. What? They ran out of preachers, so they thought they'd ask the choir director to preach. Ah, <laughs> oh, such words of encouragement. <laughs> it was at that moment that I was once again grateful to God that long ago I prayed and I asked God to please give me patience, to please help me this was during their early teenage years, to help me because, God, I'm about to hurt one of these children. <laughs> so I pondered her words, and I replied, well, not really. I was asked if I'd like to do it, and I replied, yes. I would not have accepted the offer if I didn't feel a sense of calling around it. Up to this point, they had only known me to minister in song. They are now 17 and 19? 19, <laughs> right, okay. 17 and 19, and as I just said, up until this point, they had only known me to minister in song. They were familiar with that part of what I do. But this was different. This idea that mom was actually going to preach was foreign to them and possibly a bit unnerving, very unnerving, especially since their dad pastors a church, of which they are expected to attend every time that they go and to participate 
That means in the choir, every dance, everything that goes on, just like any family or PK kid, those of you who might relate to this, know. They are expected to participate. So here we are, both parents, uh. Oh. Well, I received, thank you, a similar reaction from my grandmother when she phoned me and said, baby, what's this I hear about you preaching on the eighth? Uh, I'm preach preaching, Grandma. You feel cold? <laughs> yeah. You sure? <laughs> yes. Are you ready? And of course, by this point, I'm thinking, well, I better be by now. I'd have said, yeah. <laughs> yes. Have you been studying? <laughs> yes. Well, okay, you know I'll be there, right? <laughs> and so, with that phone call, I found out that not only was she coming, but Vicki, my partner, love her much, had also secretly invited my entire family, <laughs> plus friends, to come. Thank you. <laughs> now I was truly nervous. So to my family, friends who are here for the first time, welcome to Resurrection. <laughs> and thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you. No pressure. Will you pray with me? Creator and sustainer of the universe, we are indeed grateful for another opportunity to gather together in your name. We are grateful for life within us and life that surrounds us. We are grateful for this time and this place. In your many names, we pray, amen. I felt very honored when Janice, our executive pastor, asked me if I'd like to speak on this subject. When I decided to accept the job of director of worship, my having passion around worship and creating worship played a huge part in my decision. I knew that there was a lot that I could bring to our worship experience. I also knew that there was a lot that I could also learn as a result of accepting the position. Passionate worship, or worshiping with passion, is what I was raised on. As a child, was that mom saying amen? <laughs> As a child, going to church to worship was not only something we did on Sundays, but it was something that was practiced daily. They kept us in church all year round. We were in church. All of my friends, we were in church. If we spent the night over someone's house, they went to our church. It kept us out of trouble. The majority of my family was and still is directly involved in the worship process of the church. They are ushers, choir members, deacons, board members, preachers, teachers, missionaries, financial supporters, all passionately doing what needs to be done. That includes going the extra mile to make sure the building itself is prepped and ready 
for the Sunday worship gathering. It is nothing for them if something is on the floor or something is out of place for them themselves to take care of it and pick it up or sweep it up. That's my family. That's what I grew up on. And I'm grateful. Amen. Part two of our study, Church Alive, Passionate Worship, comes from Robert Snassi's book, Five Practices of Fruitful Living. In this portion, we are learning how to love God in return. One of my favorite persons in the Bible is David. There are great stories about David's life. Yet, in all of them, he is himself. He's honest, open, courageous, a hard worker, a ladies' man. He owned up to his shortcomings. He was a musician, a singer. Whatever David did, he did it with passion. And with all of his peaks and valleys, he was still considered a man after God's own heart. He became very important a very important figure in the life of Jesus. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Well, Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah, and his brothers. Judah the father of Perez, okay, so we don't have that much time. <laughs> and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Thus, there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to Christ. Just imagine that. A man after God's own heart, with all of his screw-ups, became this great person, this person who has the lineage of Jesus Christ. So what does that say for us? us folk. Why does passion in worship matter? Well, passionate worship matters because God first loved us. Unconditionally. Unconditionally. And desires our love in return. So what is passionate worship? According to Robert Schnasty's book, passionate worship is how we orient ourselves to God. Passionate worship requires resolve, a stick to itness. A nourishing pattern of worship takes time and commitment. It requires reprioritizing our time and making the effort to attend worship with frequency and consistency. When I first came to Resurrection, it was during the time when we were still in the activities building, I presume right after the, the uh, flood, and the, the uh, gospel ensemble was having their concert on that night. A friend of mine phoned from uh, North Carolina to invite us to what she called then the gay church. Said, come on out, girl, we're going to be singing at this gay church. The what? <laughs> the gay church. There's a gay church in Houston? <laughs> so I was thinking, like, what exactly does that mean? You know? But when I got here, when I got here, any stereotypicalness that I might have had just fell off because what I saw and what I felt was godly. I felt welcomed. So much so that during that program, 
as a first-time visitor, I decided to get up because the spirit kept nudging me, or something was nudging me. I got up, went over to uh, the drummer, who was Billy at the time, and I said, do you mind if I play? And sure, no problem. So the song is still going. We're switching out on drums. And it was a familiar song, I think one of the Hawkins songs, um, maybe Going Up Yonder or Jesus something. One of those songs where the beat was... Uh, yeah. <laughs> the beat was really important. So we swapped out, started playing, and before you knew it, the song was over. I'm like, well, that was useless. But what it did was, it allowed one person to come to me afterwards and say, hey, we need you in our choir. We need you to come and play drums for us. And I was like, okay, I don't have anything to do, sure, I'll come. So I started coming and I started playing drums. I think I played drums here for about maybe two to four years before anyone even knew or suspected that I, I actually sing. <laughs> so I, I fooled them pretty good. So. <laughs> And the backstory to that really quickly is when I left Houston, um, I sung and performed and I came back because of my daughters. I needed to be close to them. I needed to be there for them. But I hated being back. I hated being back in the South. I hated being back in Texas. And because of that hate, I could not sing. And I didn't sing for two years. So it wasn't until, um, I can't really remember when, I started singing again and I regained that freedom, I regained that news, I regained that voice again and that spirit within me and I was grateful that I had the chance to take a break and actually play something and do drums and sit in the background and experience the love of this congregation. I was grateful that I was able to just be and not do. That I was able to sit in the back or sit at the top or sit on the sides or sit in the front and just be because I felt so welcomed. There was so much diversity. I kept coming back. I came back that next Sunday, and Dwayne was up preaching, you know, in his sketchers, he had on blue jeans and some kind of shirt, and, you know, just looking non-preachery. And so, <laughs> doing his sermon, he decided, oh, I just feel like twirling. And he twirled. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so I'm thinking, dude, really? <laughs> do you know twirl you know? and just start twirling and that was his thing when he was excited I found that in that I, I found laughter there was variety in the music there was gospel music there was classical music I love that there was hymn singing there was just all kind of stuff all kinds of people from all walks of life there were Catholics there were Baptists there were Protestants there were Methodists everybody was here yes. worshiping Yes, worshiping together. And nowadays we say there was gay, there was straight, and all the other alphabets. I don't want to offend anyone because I, I'm still working. I get them messed up a little bit. But we're all here, all of us, transgender. All of us are here together worshiping together, passionately worshiping together. Passionate worship requires a surrendering, a yielding of ourselves and our will 
a giving up of some good things in order to attend to greater things. Music is important in our worshiping. Music has an undeniable unifying effect. When we sing together, when I close my mouth and I hear you sing, I hear singing around me, I am blessed, I am uplifted. And I would just hope that the same thing happens to you as you're sitting there and you hear singing around you. That you're able to be blessed and you're able to worship passionately. So the question comes, why are we here? Why? Why are we here? Here. Why are we here? What is our reason for being here in this place at this time? What brought us to this point in our life? Many things, I'm sure. What can we do to incorporate passionate worship into our daily life? Because to me, passionate worship it's not just a Sunday thing. Yes, we're glad when we get together. We're glad when we sing together. It's, it's uplifting. We're in community. We're strengthened to go out into the world and conquer. But once that adrenaline has dropped, we don't feel like conquering nothing, right? So what do we do? That's when we have to be intentional about our worship, about our passionate worship. It becomes personal. It's something you do daily. Something we do daily that brings us to this point. Daily. So now I ask you again, why are you here? What is our purpose for existing? What is your purpose? What is your purpose for existing on this earth? What is your purpose? Why are you here? Why were you made? Why were you created? We're all created for something. To praise God, to worship God. What are we here for? What is that thing that you know you're supposed to be doing, but you're not doing it? You know in your spirit of spirits, your heart of hearts, your soul of souls, you're supposed to be doing that thing, but you're not. I included a comic in the bulletin on page five. Two birds together on a limb, one with a backpack, and it says, the trouble with you, Sheldon, is you lack self-confidence. <laughs> Are we lacking self-confidence? Next to it, there's a letter to his teacher about building a future. What do we do to build a future of passionate worship, of radical hospitality, of further developing our faith and our growth? What do we do? What do we need to do? What do you need to do? I told God a long time ago that I would not continue to be mediocre. I was bored at my job teaching. I love children most of the time. <laughs> I love teaching music most of the time. But many, many times, I, I did not like it. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but that wasn't it. And so just boredom set in, and I was just producing mediocrity. So once I decided, okay, God, I'm ready to go to the next level, no more mediocrity, I want greatness, that's when all the stuff started to happen. <laughs> Did you know that? Once you tell God, okay, okay, fine, I'm ready, let's do it. 
that's when it seems like it gets the hardest. Thankfully, I have a person in my life, my partner, who, who is very spiritually aware and who listens to the things that comes out of my mouth sometimes when I am not aware of what I've said. <laughs> so when I say things like, like to the choir and I say, okay, we're gonna take it to the next level, and they're all for it. And so when things start happening, she says, well, do you remember when you said, God, you're ready for the next level? No. <laughs> well, guess what? You're in the next level. Oh my gosh, so difficult, so challenging. But am I gonna give up? Am I gonna stop? No, the other side is boring. No, we gotta keep going. Strive for greatness, strive for greatness, strive for greatness. And before you know it, we are already in our greatness. Yes. If we are passionate in our worship of God, then this is what is truly a, it is truly about. Profound self-emptying and self-giving in obedience to God for the sake of God's purpose in this world. This is the place where we can see the connection between worship and mission. Worshiping in spirit and in truth, coming as we are, giving of ourselves, allowing God to do a work within us, even if it's this big. So I challenge you. I challenge you to intentionally begin to worship God with passion, to live a great life every day of your life. Worship God in spirit and in truth. Amen. Loving one another, loving yourself, passionately giving of yourself in every way, here, coming together, but also when you're not here. I pray that God will continue to use us all as we all remember that we are the children of God, we are a chosen generation, we are a people of God. No matter what anybody says, you are, you are, you are a child of God. And you matter, you matter, you matter. Worship God with passion every day of your life and you will truly see a difference. God bless you. Amen.